Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So last Saturday night, we witnessed the most unexpected, the most remarkable scenario in the history of the Toronto Maple Leafs play itself out. What was that? Or so we thought. Ooh. Martin Marincin's Golazo, 18 seconds into the third period, changed everything. A new standard with which unexpected moments with the Leafs will be compared to. That was like a unicorn. Like that was like watching a unicorn majestically gallop across your screen. Like we were every, he had made a bad play in the, in the period before. Yes. And even I tweeted out like, man, that sucks because he was having a great game before that. Now it'll all be everyone's always going to for, forget about the good stuff Marinchen does and remember the one bad play. And then not only like you would expect Mark Marinchen to, to score from the point and it careens off like three different butts and then it goes in. Yeah. But this guy grabs the puck, goes in, g- crashes the zone, hits the post and then gets his own rebound puts it in, and looked even more surprised than anyone in that whole arena having just witnessed that ordeal. Amazingly, the reaction was the best thing about it. It's incredible. There was, it was probably the best breakout of the entire game for the Leafs. Martin Marincin was on the end of it for whatever reason. Like, that shouldn't be the thing, but that's what exactly what happened. There was a toe drag at the line. Thank God it was the thing. Well, yeah. Come on. There was, there was the shot off the crossbar. Then there was the mindfulness to follow it up. Like there was so much to that goal. Okay, Mart. Like it was <laughs> awesome. It was it was amazing. That's eighteen like, seconds in. It's the funniest goal of the whole year. Like it was no the, one expected. It's the that. most hilarious goal, the most unexpected goal, probably the biggest goal of Martin Marincin's life. Even though he was a factor in the Calder Cup playoffs. Oh, I was we'll just go about over that a bit later. Yeah, I was just about to mention something. But like, I mean, it probably should be bigger. I guess. I guess. I mean, you know, Calder Cup on on route to a championship. But like, there are levels to this, right? Yes. So, I mean, there's so many elements and just the reaction after was so funny. Like everyone talking after the game was laughing between answers and during answers. Like they enjoyed this so much. And that's going to lead me into my takeaway. I think this win was as important as Pittsburgh earlier, Tampa earlier in the week, Florida the other night. Really? Maybe not Florida because that's obviously the four point swing. But like, there's something that we've talked about the fragility of this group so often on this podcast only started about a month ago but it has it been a month uh, it feels it feels like it's been a lot of games yes um but this mother's day celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from blue nile whether it's for your mom a mother figure or yourself as a mom find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation explore blue nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I think this is going to do wonders for them in that regard. Like they could, last Saturday, the juxtaposition between this is so stark. It is. It's. It's. This is a week. We're a week away. Miserable, miserable. They were punchlines. And tonight, they were carefree, laughing, having fun. They're about to go to California two days early, and I don't Uh know. I don't Uh know if we want all the the margaritas basking in the sun. Uh But there is some. There is a different mood around this team, and a mood that we haven't seen around them in a long time. And it is part due in part to this incredible goal unexpected goal sort of a magical moment marinchen's only moment and i think because of that reason it's as important as those wins because i think it could lead to something more this like it is remarkable to see how much can change in a week it's a calendar crazy it's, it's a calendar week as i like to put it between this podcast right now and the one after the david ayers incident and in the in the span of that week, it has gone from these guys can't leave their own houses because they should be shamed and booed in public for what the, what just happened. The most embarrassing loss, or maybe in franchise history, just you know yada yada yada. We've been over this a million times. The David Ayers week has felt like the David Ayers year. It's been crazy, and now they just won three straight against two against really intense divisional opponents with huge playoff implications. And the last one against a really talented up-and-coming Canucks team who, you know, like, although it's not a division game, they still managed to get a point, I guess, separating themselves from Florida because Florida lost in a shootout. More cushion, more cushion. So just, like, this was exactly what what everyone was yelling at them after that David Ayers game to do. They came out and they they have done exactly that. They've beaten divisional rivals. They've stood up to good teams. They haven't crouched down. And they've done it all with a blue line that I think is making a combined $6.6 million. Mm-hmm. Combined. And it, honestly, it wasn't a great game. No. Like if, let's say, um, you know, they just scored, it was Marincin off a button in, and they hung on to win that game. Like there'd be some memes, but. we'd be, they, they would be happy to win three straight, gain a point on Florida, moving forward to California, obviously big things ahead or potential big things ahead with three teams that should be had. Um, But it wouldn't be the same. No. It wouldn't be sort of the jovial atmosphere, the laughs, the fun. Uh, I think it it was just sort of exactly what they needed, which was to have a moment where they didn't have to think about all the other things going on and just enjoy it. Just play hockey. Like they just played hockey. Exactly. I think that, you know, as much, this is a really cool moment in the season. As much as, as as weird as it is to say, um, given what has happened, you know, a week ago. But right now is a really cool moment in the season because, especially on defense, everyone's injured. Like everyone, like Riley, Cece, you know, Muzzin, we all know that. And now on the back end, we have this plucky group of misfits. We got Tyson Berry, who's like supposedly supposed to be the superstar, came in, everyone maligned him, and now he's like the grizzled vet. No one would have expected that going into the season. And then we got a guy who just came back from a trade after being traded by the same team. Like we've got Travis Dermott, terrible season, trying to trying to put it back together. Rasmus Sandin, you know, nineteen year old rookie, can't even get a drink on that on that Florida trip, which might be a good thing considering you know 
how this team needs to kind of keep it together. All, Martin Marincin, guy is like, you know, gets memed into oblivion every night and not for a good reason. Like it's, we have this plucky group of misfits on the back end and they are just like through sheer will and determination, just going, we are the sum, we are, we are like, we are not, we are greater than the sum of our parts. We're putting this together and we are going to will this team in and be just good enough to let our stars cook. And the stars are cooking. Like Matt, Matt Austin Matthews, like a hot take here. We're talking Rocket Richard trophy for this guy. He should be in the heart conversation. This guy has exactly, think about what good players do. The last 20 or so games, or 30 or so games for the Leafs have been really difficult. And he has scored almost a goal per game in that span. He has put the team, he has, he has taken his play to like an, another level, maybe even another second level, uh, when they've needed him the most. You can't say that for all of the stars on the Leafs roster, but he has been fantastic. You have a, the goaltenders being struggling mightily. We'll get into that as well. But this defense, like this defense core, who I think James Myrtle tweeted out, there are 18 defensemen in the NHL who are making individually more than what the Leafs' entire blue line right now are making collectively. I'm actually surprised it's not more. Uh, me too. It's six points. It's only six point six. Six eight, I think. Six point six, six eight. And they've won three. They're two and zero. Oh, and Muzzin, you know, was playing with a broken hand for half the game, and then he left. Like it's they two and a half games. They're undefeated against really top tier opponents. It's I'm amazing. Ju- I'm just upset that it's a leap year. It's February 29th. So this podcast doesn't exist. So, actually. but then we can't commemorate the Martin Marincin moment every year annually we can't do it we're gonna have to wait until the leap years to do it it's almost it's almost perfect that it happened on a leap year because that goal doesn't happen that it's it's rare it's as rare as a leap year like that (laughs) if it happened on any other rarer think about it like like it almost it's (laughs) it's almost so poetic that a martin marinchin dangles off the rush goal at home as a game winner happened on a day that you know, only once every four years that day actually exists. Yeah, it's perfect. It's, a, it's poetic. Is that not the perfect series of events? I think it is. Take that, David Ayers. Exactly. Boom. Roasted. Uh, my takeaway is that it's, you know, stemming off what I just said. These Leafs could definitely win a Calder Cup. That seems like a negative take. No, it's it's positive. How is that positive? Because... I mean, I just diminished Martin Marincin's... <laughs> Biggest goal of his life previous because it was at a league below the one he's currently in sometimes because he's, you know, as he's the eighth man, as we discussed at length last pod- mm. podcast. We apologize. Uh, but it seems like, I don't know, I thought you'd be a little bit more positive with your your initial takeaway today. My my main takeaway was that, like, I've seen such amazing growth from Austin Matthews bo- at both ends. He's been a far more better defensive player. But, like, I'm just so impressed with this blue line. That's essentially what I was trying to say in this in my takeaway. Like, I'm just so impressed. These guys are all, they've all gone through the, their own things this season. They've all gone through, you know, their ups and downs. They've been maligned by the fan base. They've been traded. They've been, you know, scratched. And, you know, all the stars are out. All the big money guys are out. They've come together and they've just done as much as they can. They've just done enough to keep this team afloat. And now they have a five-point cushion in the in a playoff spot. And I'm just really, I guess if I had to set, have a second takeaway, it's not really a takeaway, but it's more of a, a main point. I am now terrified to see what this team is going to do moving forward because they are, we've said it every time, every time this team gets, you know, steps their foot off the absolute edge of their season, they get comfortable again. Mm -hmm. And now they have five point cushion and they're heading to California. 
I mean, it's the perfect recipe to get comfortable. I'm a little worried now. But that's that's why I feel like that goes back to my takeaway. I feel like this was something different. It was take the pressure off a little bit. Let's have fun. Let's go to California a day early. I know that's not necessarily been the thing that the Maple Leafs have had success with, you know, rest and relaxation at warm locations in season or days before games. Um, But I just feel after so much stress, the looks on their faces after they lost to David Ayers, the uncertainty with the future going into the trade deadline and everything that surrounded and, and encapsulate the last week, this was just... It was so important for them to just enjoy hockey, enjoy winning, enjoy each other, and enjoy looking toward the future because it suddenly looks a lot brighter. Who is the most jazzed about the Martin Mernishing goal? You were in the trenches. Thank you for your service, by the way. Um, you were down there. Who is the most, who is the most like, just fired up about the specialist? Okay, so we heard from Hyman, Matthews, Anderson, and Dermot. Definitely not Anderson. Dermot is like the happiest person yes. in the world always, so he was into it. But like Matthews is usually supremely serious post game all the time, really. Mm-hmm. And he was laughing between answers, like he was giddy. It was hilarious. They love this guy. Eh? Like they were, it was they were so fired up. So I would say Matthews is probably the one that projected the most happiness and giddiness over the moment. Uh, he had a pretty good quote. What did he say? I might not be able to find it. You can do it. I'm going to vamp. I'm going to vamp until you get it. Uh, He said, (laughs) when he brings it out, he says that he has, he's always had this in him, but we don't see it often. But when he brings it out, it's usually a treat. It's not something Austin, treat is not a word that Austin Matthews uses with regularity pre and post game. So between laughs, you know, them just sort of reveling in Martin Marincin, it was, it was pretty fun. That's the most wholesome story. You know, just it's great. Now, every Saturday, something crazy, unprecedented and wholesome is going to happen. I mean, there's they're setting quite they're setting quite a standard here. I don't know if we can do this every Saturday. We're off next Saturday. Yeah, that's that's surprising, which is, you know, be nice. It's like our California trip. Just one night off. Oh, yeah. Well, we're here one year, one day before. Um, okay, so what are, we got a couple things to talk about. Where should we, we sure do. Where should we start? Do you want to start with the defense core, even because we've sort of yeah, sure. uh, tiptoed around that subject a little bit? Yeah, we might as well. Might as well dive right in. So we went back down to 60. Yeah. Timothy Lilligren, f- who didn't play much against Florida in the back half, you are did not furious. play at all. You're, f- you're fuming right now. Well, you know what? Okay, so they went away from the 11, or the se- or the 11 forwards, seven defensemen concept yeah and what we got out of it was a little less punch offensively you know why because dennis malgan was eating up however minutes he ate up and that meant one or two less shifts for matthews one or two less shifts for zach hyman and mitch marner and and so on down the line so i feel like i'm i still feel very strongly about wanting to see the 11 7 you're, you're uh, but at starting, least they picked the right six defensemen. You're starting to to get on the uh, you know the Dennis Malgan hate train lately. I mean, it hasn't been that pretty. You're you're I, I can see this. I think he drew a penalty tonight. That was probably the the he best did, thing he's done Edler. since the uh, debut game. I I'm I didn't seeing, want to sour on him, but I'm soured. I'm seeing the seeds of of dissent being sowed right now. It's like it's like those couple games with Kerfoot where you're just starting to, where you just were like audibly starting to go. You know, is this guy even like good? Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, just having those 
you know, the you just seeing the light about this guy. Just like what? Yeah, I, I watch out, Dennis, because because Justin's yeah. coming. Yeah. Well, fortunately, what I saw in the defense core sort of made up for that. We obviously talked a little bit about Marincin, but I think we got to talk about Travis Dermott. I don't yes. think there's been anyone on that core who is you know carrying the burden of these injuries more than him. It was up to him to step up. He's the one getting big minutes now. Uh, he's the one playing against the best competition uh with justin hall and he's the one that hasn't really had things change around him right we saw sandine get demoted today um but it's been dermot sort of you know he's been really steady in his position uh it hasn't been these fantastic amazing results he's sort of breaking even uh in all metrics i guess except for goals for and against Mm -hmm. so he's he's they've done a really good job keeping the puck out of their own net but he was beyond that today it was the little details in his game and the little details fortunate for you know example purposes led directly to goals like his ability to evade four checkers and create time and space for himself while he has the puck in his own end led directly to two goals the austin matthews goal he shook elias Pettersson and carried the puck up ice gave it to matthews who somehow put that through uh the torso of thatcher demko uh, and then on the empty net goal, he was able to knock down what was a, probably a centering pass or shot attempt, uh, put it in an area that was safe, collected himself, a little head fake, bought him some time. He got it to Mitch Marner, who got it to Zach Hyman for the empty netter. Uh, we have two examples of him doing doing things supremely well, things that are always within his capabilities, but sometimes aren't uh, working to the best of his abilities. Uh, but tonight we saw it in, in spades. Uh, and it's good to see him take on this challenge, really raise his game, and deliver for the Maple Leafs. I I agree 100. Like I saw him, I saw him just be so much more aggressive tonight. Like he was he was jumping up in the rush, he was pushing the rush, he was initiating it. He was he was just like I say this about any time someone improves, but you just see them be more comfortable. Like he just looked more comfortable. The couple games before, he looked like he was always a half step behind. He was always like he looked at like the kind of player um, who was holding. There's a great meme called, why can't I hold all these limes? And it's this guy, and he has all these limes in his hands, and he just can't hold all these limes. And Travis Dermott looked like he just couldn't hold all those limes. For everyone, there is too many limes. There's at, just, a, at a point, there is too many. Exactly. And he just couldn't hold all of them. And right. so they were all falling out of his out of his arms, out of his hands, and he seemed like he was you know, freaking out every time trying to, trying to pick them up or trying to catch them before they drop and it was never working like that's what it seemed like with these plays where he was just always a step behind he looked so flustered and next thing you know pucks in the net cameras right on him he's looking up at the rafters i haven't seen any of that since he since this you know whole marley's defense core assemble thing like he has been so much better he has he just looks he can diagnose plays he is initiating rushes he's been more aggressive like you say he's creating time and space for himself in the offensive zone, he's doing things that we saw Travis Dermott do. Travis Dermott, the prospect. Travis Dermott, the exciting young defenseman, do. And if he can get back to that. Like that, not not only not only has implications for the Leafs, it has implications for himself and his future. Because we were banning this guy around as like a possible trade candidate, given that the Leafs are going to have three left hand left shot defensemen mm-hmm. next season locked down, and maybe there's not a lot of place for Dermott to go. He might it, if he is the guy who kind of writes this ship and does the yeoman's work and drags this team through this stretch where they have nothing on the back end. That changes that narrative. That changes his contract negotiation, possibly. That changes his place in the team's future. That changes his perception within the organization. I, I like he is obviously it's a tiny sample size right now, but I'm really like what I'm seeing so far. On the flip side, it wasn't a brilliant night for Rasmus Sandin. Uh, both goals against for the Leafs. 
he played a fairly significant role in. There was a, uh, I guess, miscommunication, miscommunication or at least a lack of uh, awareness between him and Tyson Berry on a dump-in that led to the first goal. Then he looked to get sort of uh, out-muscled or out-positioned, at least by Tanner Pearson on the second goal. He was later demoted. I'm not sure if he worked his way back uh, into uh, Tyson Berry's pairing or not. Um, but it hasn't, exa- while everybody else has sort of raised their game over the last three days, I wouldn't say he has quite done the same. He, again, the caveat is that he's 19. Yep. And he's being asked to, to step in and like the plan we, I was listening to, you know, good shows Leafs hour with Chris Johnson. He said like the plan was not for them to be up this year. Mm-hmm. Like the plan was for, for Lilligren and for Sandin to be back on the Marlies, logging 30 minutes a night, being two of the best defense in the AHL, and getting that confidence. And now, at least one of them is being tasked with playing pretty much top four minutes, some special teams in there. It's it, like a lot of the Leafs season reside, ri, you know, rides on a 19-year-old's shoulders. And my question, I guess, with that is like, is this even good for his development? And should we even be focusing on development with him right now? Like it's there's there's two ways to look at this because I don't know if if this sort of trial by fire is a good thing. It gives me Luke Shen flashbacks. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's quite the same. I think he's acquitted himself pretty well most of the time. I just think we've it, this is coming, you know, simultaneous to what's been a significant jump in the quality of competition. There's less there's less places to hide, frankly. Like you can't get him out there with the you know the Cody Cece of the lineup to take on third and fourth lines right now he's being put in a position while it was the fourth line that did score that first goal uh that's not the case generally like the 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 uh the task that he has now is is far different than it was uh, and I think there's going to be an adjustment there, just like there was an adjustment when he first came into the, into the league and 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 I guess you know it was maybe a little bit more smooth because he was able to play those sheltered minutes a little bit. Uh, but I think this is just something he has to work through. I mean, the problem is the alter what's the alternative? Yeah. It's okay. So now you're putting Timothy Lill, you're going in a place that he's not prepared for either and ill prepared compared to, uh, Rasmus Sandin. So right now I don't think they really have that solution. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens when the bodies do start getting trickled into the lineup. Uh, but they'll be able to hide him a little bit. Not that they want to hide him. That seems a little bit too harsh. But they'll be able to put him in a position to succeed more when the bodies do, in fact, come back in. So I expect him to play a significant role, obviously, in the immediate term. But when these bodies come back, he should probably be uh, back to where his normal and, and appropriate slotting should probably be. Yeah, he was supposed to be like the Charlie McAvoy of this playoff run. Like he was, like he was supposed to be the rookie defenseman young defenseman who they call up right before the playoffs start and plays, you know, third pairing, you know, really favorable minutes in the playoffs and helps give an extra spark and an extra bit of, you know, puck movement and, and jump in the back end. And right. And he's just not at this, at this point in his development, he's only been, you know, he's only been in the Leafs organization. This is his second year. He was phenomenal in the AHL last year, but again, like he is, he's, this is his second straight year now where he's a rookie. I think it's just like it's a lot to ask and I think he's done decently keeping his head above water in certain you know moments but you're right like right now the moment is pretty big he's 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 staring down the barrel and this these have been really good teams that Lisa played like they played Tampa they played Florida who although they're selling they're still like they're still again the fourth best offense in the NHL 
And then it's Vancouver who has who has guys like Elias Pettersson and now Tyler Toffoli and guys like that. This has been a difficult challenge for him, and I think that although he hasn't played as well as you would like, I guess I think our expectations we we need to change. We have we uh, the, our expectations for Timothy Lilgren, for example, are ridiculous. This guy is twenty years old. He was the when he got called up, he's he was the youngest guy in the Marlies, and he was all he was simultaneously the youngest guy in the Marlies and the longest tenured guy in the Marlies. That's how long he's been here, and we're expecting him to jump into an NHL lineup right away and be that solution on I mean, right well team. wasn't the task harder for Sandine? no it absolutely was and that's what i'm saying like we if we're if we're already if we're overreaching with Lilligren, we're definitely overreaching with Sandine. and the fact that he's able to give you minutes like that is is pretty impressive i think that you know he has some he obviously has some things to you know to to work on and he's a little green in that area but in terms of throwing a 19 year old guy in there and expecting him to be part of the season saving effort it's not bad. I mean, listen, it wasn't all bad tonight either. I mean, there was two moments, but you mentioned all the talent that Vancouver has. On a whole, they all look pedestrian tonight. Yeah. Elias Pettersson did nothing tonight. I, I forgot JT he Miller, was I was waiting to see the JT Miller experience that everyone's been talking about, but it frankly wasn't there. Wait, are you, Quinn Hughes wasn't that great tonight. Are you telling me that Vancouver might hype up their own players a little bit? They might. Wow. They might. Never. I would have never pegged them for that. But I have heard from, you know... Neutral sources. Legitimate that sources. JT Miller has, in fact, been brilliant this season. I was pretty excited to watch them play uh, in person, uh, but really I wasn't blown away by what they did. I know it was definitely an off night, but that says something about the performance of the Leafs' defense. Uh, they're down to sort of the bare bones here with their top guys being out, at least two of them, um, and they pretty much shut down what was supposed to be a pretty explosive offense. Um, and I put this in the notes, I guess, real quick, non sequitur. Wasn't Thatcher Demko supposed to be really good? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he was supposed to be. I, I, I haven't really. I, I don't know what happened. I, I, don't, I don't really uh, have the you know the career arc for him sort of on lock, but uh, that Matthews goal was weird. Have you seen it in slow mo? I, I couldn't even figure out where the puck went in. It can't be captured in slow mo. Like really it weird. like they tried to slow it. They tried Which to do says it. something. I guess it's about crazy. The shot, but but like he looked. Like I, but I, I love shots in the NHL that like petrify a guy. He's the only one who can score from that spot with regularity. If if you he did th- that against Ottawa the other week, if you think that Leafs Twitter melts down every time Anderson lets in a goal, buddy, welcome to Canucks Twitter. Yeah, because they were well, losing been, their minds. They've been treated all year Af- until now. After that Matthews goal, like I follow a bunch of people from the Canucks side of things. Holy moly! Yeah, that was bad. It was let's get David Ayers in here kind of stuff. It was also Austin Matthews though. Yes, we do have. Uh, so we've we've spoken about Marincin. You have a couple notes here. Is there anything else we want to get to on him? Ah, uh, I mean, I was just wanted to point out that he has had dangles before. He okay. scored. If you want to go look up Martin Marincin goals in Game Four of the 2018 Calder Cup Final, this guy dangles out like two dudes, and he's right in front of the net, staring down the goalie, dangles the guy out of his pants. It was Mike McKenna who was on a heater that season too, or that series too. So that's why Keith said in the post game. When he does score, I expect it to be this like yes. show-stopping moment. Martin Marincin okay. only scores highlight real goals. Okay, and he that's scores, exactly what he said. And he scores like two of them a calendar year. But when they come, like leap days, it's a memorable moment. It's glorious, and you're also kind of questioning whether or not they actually exist. So it's great, perfect leap, narrative, perfect leap years segue. Will forever be sorry, I just screwed up your segue, but they'll forever be synonymous with Martin Marincin. I think we should rename Leap Days to the Martin Marincin Celebration or something like that. Anyway, let's do uh, Keith's Tinkering. 
Okay. Because this is being, uh, y- you know, the the eleven the eleven seven. That's being your hill now. It's your new hill. Mm-hmm. Um, Keith, I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but Keith is going full mad scientist lately. He is mixing. He is also matching. He's mixing and matching. It's been crazy. What do you think of that? I mean, I I think he sort of dumbed it down tonight, though. You think? Well, like it was certainly less adventurous. I mean, yeah, but like the I'm talking about the pregame line rushes. Like you have the Kapanen and Kerfoot thing. Kerfoot's three C. Kapanen's looked really good as oh, Kerfoot so if there was some misdirection. Oh yeah, like he like at I least didn't notice the misdirection. My bad. The well, first of all, he went back to twelve six. And then he also, you know, bumped Spezza up to third C. He bumped he uh, with he, Clifford and Kapanen. With right? Clifford and Kapanen took took Kerfoot so, out so of Kerfoot third is C. back with Tavares and Nylander, yeah. who didn't have a winger the other night, which which I loved. Yes, and so like it it just seemed like I didn't get why he did that. I mean, it's it it's back to what it's back to what wasn't working, which was the top was was two first lines and two fourth lines, which yes. I don't like. That's my least favorite configuration they have. So why is he going back to it? I'm not sure. I mean. I think it might be like it worked a, but. a little bit might be okay we got to dumb down this game a little bit because of what we have on the back end so let's sort of keep everything you know routine in the sense that uh the same looks are happening over and over again and we can c- commitment to team defense through uh just sort of remaining steadfast in what we are doing I could see that but I just liked I loved what they did last game I thought they're what they were going to do to prevent uh, their own defense from getting caved in was to cave in other defenses, which was to give two or three extra minutes to their big guys. But tonight we had Dennis Malgan eating up minutes. Here we, we had Freddie Goche, who was played an important role. He's pretty good tonight. He scored. But I just don't. I I what I don't like the most is the Clifford Spezza, which should be their fourth line, as their third line, and then a worse line behind them. I think it stunts Capin in a little bit who probably wasn't as great tonight as he as he's been as he could be Clifford and Spezza I'm not sure that's the greatest combination I like Spezza more of a roving role instead of anchoring a line mm-hmm. uh, and then when you have a line below that that's simply not as good as even that line I don't think it's the best foot forward um, but I kind of see why he would do it like it's sort of an old school method in the sense that uh, you're trying to protect what you have back there so you're keeping things as consistent and you're trying to and you're trying to make sure that everyone knows what they're doing out there at all times, I guess. It, like, you look at that third line, for example. Like, who drives the play on that line? Kapanen doesn't drive play on his own. He's very much... He, he moves at a different speed of those guys, yeah. too. Like, it's 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 very incongruent in that way. It seems like all three of those guys are best as passengers on different lines. Like, it seems, like Spezza, as you said, he's good in a rover role. Kapanen's great as the speediest rover you'll ever see and Clifford's a guy who can you know push play a bit but is more of a like crash bang net front presence like which one of those guys actually drives the play is the engine like you're making that be Spezza and I don't think he's I don't think that's his game like I don't at this point I think he's best in you know like you said like the rover role like the specialist kind of role the guy who you know can streak down the wing and snipe something but is also like not tasked with doing too much. I think you put too much on a guy like Spezza's plate and you kind of cancel out what makes him so good. 
I think that drives him when he's moving around. I think he likes it. I think he likes being, you know, all of a sudden he's with Matthews, then he's anchoring his own line, then he's on the second power play, and he's moving around and doing all these different things. I think that gets him going a little bit. I don't think there's anyone to drive that line. I mean, but we've even sold the the tail that Kyle Clifford drives play, and I'm sure his numbers are fine in that regard. Um, but to rely on him with such, I don't even know if he had that many heavy minutes, but just by designation, being a third-line winger, he should probably be seeing more ice. I, I just don't know if that's the right combination, and they very well could have had a good night when you look at the underlyings, but I, I'm not I'm not sure without looking at it uh, right now or having it in front of me right now. Um, but I just don't, again, I just don't think that's the best thing that they could put out there. Uh, but it was fine tonight. I think that there's more that Dennis Malgan has. I'm not ready to... That's See, that's the problem with Dennis Malgan. He's not going to do anything for you on a fourth line. Yeah. Right? Because he's got, like, he's got middle six awareness in that he can facilitate and help talented players. But is he going to, like, set things up and, and make things easier on Freddie Gauthier when he's operating in the offensive, offensive zone? Probably not, right? Uh, there was the moment where Freddie Gauthier... That fourth line was good tonight. They were pretty good, but I just don't... I don't think they... Did they threaten much? Or did they just do a pretty good job you I mean, know, they scored. breaking even and doing more than breaking even, I guess, because yeah. they did score. But I don't, I mean, that goal, I don't think, maybe it was, I'd have to look back, but it, it didn't strike me as the product of Dennis Malgan just facilitating for those guys. It feels like he could get just sort of lost in that rotation down there and his best abilities are not really being utilized there. Just That's just what it would seem like off the top of my head. I think if you're going 11-7, like you don't, you don't take out Malgan, you take out Gauthier. Like why? Like what's the point? It's again, it's the centerized thing, I think, but. Yeah, but but Malgin can play center. He's a center. He's playing wing right now, but he is a center. He was brought in as a center. Like it's it doesn't make sense. Like I I think that right. I, I really I again I'm I'm a I'm a believer in what Keith is doing. I think he's being. I think there's a reason why the Leafs' record is what it is under him. He's the he was exactly the the coach that they needed, especially in the transition from Babcock, which feels like a millennia ago at this point. But. I just I think that he's going a little I think he's I think he's in his own in his own head a little bit right now. I think he's trying to mix and match and mad science and everything and I just don't think it's necessary. I think you had a great thing going the last couple of games. Clearly it's working. Like maybe does last change impact this at all now that they're home? Like I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. It would make that easier if you're going with eleven to at exactly. least at least like, that's move those only, pieces around a little bit more. That's the only different I can think like how how like, what is the difference between, like, Vancouver and Florida in the sense of, like, will we need one extra defenseman to deal with Vancouver? Like, I, I don't – or to deal with Florida opposed to Vancouver. Like, it just doesn't see, really – I don't see the logic here. Maybe I'm just not smart enough to, and that's probably the reason. But I just think that, like, you had a good thing going. Why, why mess with that? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And clearly it was working. I don't know. Maybe he's going real specific. I mean, he's – okay. First of all, he's thrown a perfect game this week, I guess, in terms of coaching with three wins. Oh, yeah. So, he, so you know, these lineups haven't been detrimental to the success, but maybe that's the, that's the way he wanted to attack the Florida team in that way. And then this is the, this is the way they wanted to prepare for and Vancouver with whatever logic that he has. I'm not sure what that logic is. Look, it works. But to, say it's, to say yeah. it's mad scientists, I, I, this was more traditional. I thought mad scientists was the other night. No, but it's more, it's mad scientists to go crazy experiment and then go back to the thing you're doing before. Like you're just mixing and matching. And he did say the only like thing that he did, uh, his only rationale given was that he wanted to get Malgan going, which was to put him back in the lineup. And he wanted him to, lo- he wanted him to watch the game uh, in Florida 
before he went back in. So the reason why he went back today is what he gave at least is because he wanted to get Malgin going. Speaking of getting people going. Okay. The Leafs were, it was reported before the game, the Leafs were considering putting Jack Campbell in that tonight and opted to go back to Frederick Anderson. Okay. To try and get him going. I didn't see that, but go on. Uh, yeah, because you were at the game. So you would have saw that. It was, it was before the game. It was on L.A. Freeman. Okay. okay. Um, he did not get going. He got the win tonight. But again, and you know what time <laughs> it is. Uh, go ahead. Is there a goaltending controversy? No. This is two consecutive games where he's being bad. How was he bad? Do you want me? Okay. I'm he gonna... had no chance on the first goal. No, because no Toronto goalie ever has he a had chance, no chance on, on that goal. any goal that goes in. I am so sick of this. How did he have a chance on that goal? Watch it. I did watch it. There's no chance he, he could stop that puck. No goalie would stop that puck. The reason why that went in is because Rasmus Sandin and Tyson Berry allowed Jay Beagle, I believe, to get there first, make a pass. That player passed it off to whoever it was really quickly. And it was a post-to-post inside the... Like, there was no way, unless he was completely guessing that the puck was going over there and it banded his side or square up to the shooter, abandoned squaring up to the shooter, so that shooter could just put it in the net when he vacated it. That's the only way that he was going to stop that puck. Okay, I want to read you some some numbers. Let's just, okay, before you get to those numbers, this the context for this game is that for the second straight game, he's given up a couple early goals yep. and then made 20-plus saves down the stretch to ride out a victory. Yeah. So that's an important note. But here's the problem with the numbers that you're going to give us. Oh, yeah. Is that you're, every time Freddie Anderson allows a goal, you're going to say, damn, he's been less than 900 for the past three months. So is the only time, yes, he's had a bad season. But like to, we should have been, this is a post-game podcast. We should be evaluating every game and what mm-hmm. happens in the game. Yes. So to bring up what happened, the three, three months of sample after every game, is just like we're never going to change. We're never going to discuss anything different. Right? If he ke- if he keeps been, playing he, poorly, then we won't have to discuss he, this he at all. He improved on his numbers today. But okay. but what we do at the heart of that, the problem with doing that is to say, oh, he hasn't been a, even been a nine hundred goalie for the last three months. Every time he allows in the goal, that absolves everyone else of criticism. And the people that deserve criticism on that first goal yes. was not Frederick Anderson. No, the absolutely. Second, the second you can give some to, so. He deserves, he's in part at fault for that second goal, mm-hmm. but that's only one goal that went in on him that was at all his doing, and he won the game 4 2. So, to, to, to bring up Frederick Anderson's play in this game, he's now won three in a row, and to try and slam him for his numbers back that started in December, I just don't see the point in doing it. You really don't see the point in taking a large sample size. Yes, he. but that, that's a different argument. Like, yes, he's had a bad season. Tonight, why are we talking about his terrible season when he won his third game in a row and only no. allowed one goal that's on him? I don't get it. Frederick Anderson... We, that's the thing. Is, we, can just, we can do this every time. Me, he, are you going to let me I'm rebuttal? Saying, or is every it, time, like every podcast, he lets in a goal, we're just going to talk about how bad he's been this year. I, don't, I just don't see a point in it. <laughs> but go ahead. You don't see a point in talking about the goaltender letting in two early goals, two of his first three goals in, in a, in a home game 
with in the middle of a playoff race. What I'm mainly trying to say. No, hundred percent, I do. Okay, then what's going on here? Like it's the Frederick Anderson has not been good lately. The Leafs have won, but San Jose made the friggin' playoffs with Martin Jones last year. Like this is this is not he has not been good. This he, is this is concerning. He was good tonight. He was fine. He was fine. He was between fine and good. But like I don't understand what like he let okay, he let in the first two of the three shots. Right. Like that's not like I don't care if you uh, like and yes. then made 24 saves down the stretch like cool he made he made those saves after and the team kind of pulled it together and they and they all won that's great but like it sure would be nice to go into one of those breaks with you know with a lead with a one goal lead because he didn't let in that one of those like it's look I think that the defense are a lot to blame in this. They are clearly not good but how much worse are the defense this year than they were in years past? How much like significantly you think that the, you think that this defense not maybe not tonight, but like recently in this season, you think this defense is significantly worse defensively than a blue line that had Nikita Zaitsev playing big minutes and like even Roman Polak and guys like that. I think their defense is worse this season. Yeah. You think it's monstrably worse? Not monstrably. Okay. You think it's demonstrably worse? <laughs> not demonstrably either. <laughs> but like. So you look at this, you look at his numbers though. He's being consistent in the nine, the mid nine tens to, to upper nine tens in Saber Sanj all year. And he's like at a nine oh six this year. And the Leafs have not dipped that much on defense. And when you when you parlay that point, is Jack Campbell just now the Toronto Maple Leafs whisperer? Can he just make the defense play better by simply being there? Because he's been able to stop pucks. Like he's been it's 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 this thing. I don't get it. Frederick Anderson comes out and he lets in two early ones. And it, it, it's it's a testament to the team that they were able to pull it together. Maybe it's a maybe it's a con, maybe it's a a sentient strategy of him to be like, I'm gonna put this team in a bad position now because they need to be more mentally tough and put it together. But he didn't put him in a bad position. The team put themselves in that bad position by failing around him. Justin, he has had he has had two months this year where he's been above 900. Okay, like, but I want to talk about this enough. game. I want to talk about this game because, uh, barring a shutout. Every game, barring a shutout, we will bring up a Freddie Anderson goal, whether it was his fault or not, and say, well, he's had such a bad year. So until we until he gets a shutout or we start next season and he's, you know, 925 in his first game, we won't be able to look back at the historical context and use it in positive light. The questions need to be asked, Justin. When you look at this game, he had no chance on one of the goals against. He had maybe a chance on the other goal. They won 4-2. I just don't think bringing up what he did in December has any relevance to what's with the conversation around this game tonight. And that's your democratic right to have that opinion. Okay. Okay. Is there anything else we got to get into? Uh, Zach Hyman, king of six, six on five. Well, the, the best example of Austin Matthews being in a fantastic mood after the game is that he said Zach Hyman is the Sidney Crosby of six on five. He was a quote machine tonight. Yeah, Matthews I think he's a little jealous that he's not getting uh, some of those empty netters, though. Because <laughs> Austin Matthews could use them in this. David Pasternak doesn't stop scoring, so uh, he's two behind right now. He could have used one of those empty netters, but Zach Hyman gets them all. He does. And you know what? That was a beautiful We For as much as, you know, at least personally, I have tried to Mitch Martyr lately for not kind of stepping up. That was a gorgeous pass. Mm-hmm on that breakaway and to give credit to Frederick Anderson 
He made the best outlet pass I have that seen. That was the best pass of the night for that sure. That was unbelievable. It was it was gorgeous. It was incredible. That it, guy should be the re, Honestly, the replays didn't even do it justice. It was so nice in real time. Like, it was so nice. The the like this guy like perfect dark. Oh my goodness. It was just incredible. If they if that goal had been scored, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um and we've done, we've done the quick playoff update. We talked about how the Leafs are going to be 5 points up. Again, that brings me back to being a little worried that they drop off because they're comfortable. Yes. How like do you think I know that you said this is different. You think that this I is I mean, the, I don't I don't know if it's different. It feels it felt different like it was a different feeling in the room tonight. That doesn't mean anything about what's going to happen in San Jose. And Florida losing tonight I don't think really has any bearing on what's going to happen in San Jose. I think I think they understand things are pretty dire. Yes. Like still I think they understand that they're working behind, or the forwards at least, the big guys are working in front, rather, of a pretty uh, diminished defense core. Mm -hmm. So I I feel like they should still be on high alert, but you know, you just can never count on that. I mean, we've been asking the question why uh, they haven't been able to maintain any consistency all year long. So to just assume that, you know because tonight was different that it's going to be different on Tuesday when they play when they play San Jose. I mean, that would just be sort of foolish to like suggest that or just to assume that that'll happen. Um but I think this team is a pretty good place right now. Well, there's going to be there's going to be no Marlowe there to have a revenge game. No Marlowe. And Joe Thornton will get to see uh get equated to his new teammates for next season. So it'll be nice. It'll be a fun little uh, road that'll trip. Be cool. Yeah. Uh, we will be able to cover that. I think the, they, the Leafs play next on... It's Tuesday. Tuesday. In San Jose. So they're going to be in California for two days. Uh, I don't know what the Panthers are up to this upcoming week, but they sure as hell have a more difficult schedule than the Maple Leafs. Yeah. We're going to face three of the worst teams in the league in San Jose, Anaheim, and L.A. this week. Kyle Clifford and Jake Muzzin can check on their L.A. homes. That'll yes. be fun. Uh, what is a reasonable expectation for this trip? I mean, a reasonable expectation, I guess, would be four. I think five would be sort of the standard they should be after. I mean, but they should be going in there looking for all six points. There's no excuse for them to not win these games when looked at individually. And uh, we are a post-game podcast. We look at these games. No big picture. We look at these micro, micro level. We should at least consider looking at it micro when a player like Frederick Anderson only allows one reasonably bad goal. Not even bad goal. One just goal. A goal that went in. Okay. Uh, you, you try and bring up some some controversial no, segments for the podcast. No, it's just we do it every day. We Every game, we when he allows a goal, it's a we bit. talk about what he did in December. It's a bit. It's the goaltending controversy no, bit. It's, it's the wedge that's, uh, you know, driven between us. Um <laughs> Is there anything else we have to get to? <laughs> no, I think we're good. So Leafs are back five points up on the Florida Panthers. It could have been, they could have been down right now if they this sure, week didn't go very well. They could have been but it up. Went, they could it have went been down. as good as it could possibly go yep. if the Blackhawks had just, you know, they didn't need the shootout. They didn't need Patrick Kane in the shootout to beat the Florida Panthers. Uh, then it would have been a perfect week for the Maple Leafs, but it was a pretty damn good one regardless. They'll take a five-point lead over the Panthers to California where they have three games where they could definitely, definitely win. And uh, we'll be here to talk about all of them. We might have video. We might just have audio. But we'll definitely have takes on the Leafs and likely Frederick Anderson. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.